Welcome to the first Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, myself and Dave talk about social media, how to be aware of the content and your conduct online, as well as looking to the future and what might be the legacy of things we are posting today. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them. I've put a link into our show notes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I'm joined again this evening by my good friend, colleague and co-host, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Hi there, Ben. How are you this week? Yeah, good. Thank you. We were just having a quick chat off air. Um, This week's actually half term in our part of the world. I know different schools maybe have a couple of weeks either side for their half terms, but it's half term. So I've had my daughters at home. I've been working up until today. We've got revision classes still running in centre and also some some AAT classes going on. But I'm actually off from tonight. I've got a few days. We are heading north up to the fine city of Chester. It's my mum's 70th birthday tomorrow. So we're having a bit of a family gathering in Chester for uh, an extended weekend. That is awesome. And I, I know that we were exchanging messages at the beginning of this week because your, your daughters were up extremely late on Sunday nights um, watching the Super Bowl, I understand, Ben. They, they were. This is the first year they've really expressed an interest in staying up to watch it. And they really did stay up. I was, I was quite surprised. Um, we got set up beforehand. We watched an episode of The Simpsons where they play American football and a very famous episode of Friends where they play American football. I fired up the Xbox and we had a couple of games of an American football game on there. That got us to kick off. And then it was a really absorbing game. If anybody is an American football fan, I think you'll agree the Super Bowl this year was a phenomenal spectacle. And particularly so for maybe the the non-officiado NFL fans. It was quite a good game to watch, Dave, did you think? I, I did. I did. I mean, I think, for the, yeah, exactly. For those, for, for people that kind of are, are interested but not massive fans. I think there was a lot in that game because it was lots of excitement. Um, it's not like some of the the very defensive affairs that we've seen kind of in, in Super Bowls gone past where I think only the true fan of the, the arts of the defensive game could really appreciate them. So, yeah, I, I thought really, really good fun. Um, and it's that, that kind of, for me, it's that one day of the year where I kind of stay up on my own watching with, with a TV on in the lounge. Everyone else in the whole house is asleep and I'm there cheering on the, the um, American football. So, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was always good to share some messages with other people that are watching at the same time even if you're halfway across the country it was it was and, and the girls were particularly excited for the halftime show which was Rihanna and she was phenomenal as well and that kind of buoyed them up a bit gave them a bit more energy to then watch the, the second half so late to bed but as it was half term the two girls could have a line on Monday morning mm-hmm. and I wasn't teaching so I had a day working from home so not feeling too tired this week how's your week going aside from Super Bowl um, good. I've had um, client meetings this week. Um, I've got a day's teaching tomorrow. So I'm teaching an ACCA class tomorrow um, for, for their exams in a couple of weeks time. So it's really getting to that busy time of year where we've got exams on the horizon for ACCA and ICW. So lots of fun there. And then it's my, my youngest son's birthday this weekend. 
So we've got various festivities involving lots of eating. And if you, if you haven't been to it, then we're going to Top Golf in Chigwell, which is one of his favourite activities, which if no one has been, if you can imagine a golf driving range crossed with 10 pin bowling, uh, it's something like that. And it's really, really good fun. Fantastic. No, I've, I've not been. I've heard about it. Sounds fantastic. Um, my golf skills are somewhat to be desired, though, but um, sounds like it will be it'll be great for the weekend. Excellent. Well, this evening we are going to be having a bit of a chat about social media. Um, I think I might have mentioned on the podcast session last week that I was on a, a course to look at some Internet safety stuff and they touched on a bit of social media. The guys in the office thought it would be a good topic to talk about maintaining a professional persona online. So here we are this evening and we are going to be talking all things professional social media. Thought I'd start with some stats, Dave. Be interested to get your reaction to some of these. So the first stat I was going to throw over was that well over 80% of the UK population are classed as active on social media. That is a, a massive reach. Um, over 80% of the population... Average time spent on social media, apparently, in the UK is one hour, 52 minutes per day. Be interested to get your thoughts on that in a moment. And my final stat, 79% of 16 to 24-year-olds, I know you're the, the father of a, a 16 to 24-year-old, <laughs> and we teach a number of 16 to 24-year-olds, 79% of them say that social media is their main source of news. So interested maybe to, to discuss those stats, first of all, over 80 percent of the population on social media. What's your favorite social media platform, Dave? Where, where do you go? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> a, a true professional networker. Yeah. And LinkedIn. So I, I have virtually removed myself from all other sources of social media. So I, I have got a Facebook account, but I very, very rarely log in. Likewise with Instagram, um, I did set up a Snapchat account, didn't really know what I was doing and quickly abandoned that. I have a TikTok account, but again, I very, very rarely do anything with that whatsoever. Um, I used to be quite, um, quite prolific on, on Twitter, but again, I removed myself from Twitter um, at the end of last year. Um, I have had phases of using things like Reddit, um, but I find you kind of get into a rabbit rabbit hole of, of kind of just following comment, 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 comment. So I've abandoned that. I do still use a forum called Quora, which is Q-U-O-R-A, which is probably the nerdiest social media site ever where people will post ridiculous questions and then you'll have people very earnestly answering said ridiculous questions so you know generally it would be you know who is the most powerful creature in the lord of the rings mythology and then there'll be some eight page essay that someone's put together to explain exactly why the balrog is the most powerful creature in the in the whole of middle earth followed by 20 other counterpoints to the same thing. So that, that's kind of my social media of choice. LinkedIn, number one, little bit of Cora, and then very, very little else. But you've got experience of all of them. And obviously yep. in, in the family, what, what sort of things are the, 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 the kids going on? 
Well, Henry, my eldest, who is 17, um, he seems to conduct all of his communications through Snapchat. So Snapchat is, I would say, the, the most used form of, of social media as we understand it kind of traditionally. Um, he also uses Discord a lot, which is, um, I think, historically a platform for gamers, um, but it kind of expands to virtually everyone. So I know businesses that have Discord servers now as well. Um, they seem to be the two that I know about. But as you can imagine, with, with most children, if there was another social media that I'm not aware of, I don't think he'd be forthright in telling me. So he could quite easily be using something else altogether. Quite, quite. Um, I, on the, the course I was on last week, they put up a, a graphic. Um, I should really know the name of the particular style of chart it was, but it was quite an interesting one. It had dots going across that indicated the number of users at different age demographics and very much me and you would be classed in the same bracket and Facebook was still very dominant in that age bracket for people. Um, as it came down the age spectrum, things like Instagram were the kind of generation before us. And then it was very much Snapchat for the, the younger ones. And that's what I see with, with my daughters. They are both prolific on Snapchat. Um, it's quite a nice little app, actually. I'm not on it, but I've kind of seen them on it and had a look at their their accounts. Um, and it works very, very nicely. And obviously, TikTok is the, 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 the big emerging one, although I would say it's kind of emerged and it's certainly out there. I noticed they sponsor Wrexham Football Club, don't they? The, the club that are owned by the, the Hollywood superstars. Indeed. And I think that that may be the only reason that they're sponsored by TikTok <laughs> is the owners of Hollywood superstars that have made a documentary on Disney+. Plus. So certainly we are, we are very much in that um, over 80% of the population, but it is um, age spread. Different platforms may be attracting different age groups. The next stat was one hour, 52 minutes per day on average. Quite a scary stat. Do you think if you'd clocked up the hours that you spend on LinkedIn, you would be anywhere close to one hour 52 a day? I, I think it adds up frighteningly quickly. I, I think yeah, 15 minutes in the morning, you know, 10 minutes at lunchtime, a little bit of time in the afternoon. Before you know it, you've easily cranked, cracked up, uh, up an hour. And that's just on one social media platform. So I can quite imagine where, you know, it, it's easy to sit down. And I think we've all done it. We've scrolled down our timeline on whatever platform it is. And, you know, before you know it, you look up and half an hour has gone. So I, I could quite easily see myself and I could quite easily imagine a lot of people clocking up that kind of time and maybe even more time than that. Um, which is partly one of the reasons why I tried to remove myself from some of those social media platforms was that I was just finding myself aimlessly scrolling through things. And I tell myself uh, I'm on Facebook to keep in touch with my friends. So it, it ended up being I was on Facebook just to scroll aimlessly down the page and have people throw adverts at me. So I, I, I put it to one side and um, haven't really missed it since. Yeah, you're right. One hour 52 sounds a lot, doesn't it, in a continuous mm. block? But if you actually break that down, I would imagine a lot of people probably have 10, 15 minutes first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. I know certainly when I wake up, I usually reach for my phone and maybe just flick through a few bits. Um, I get the train to work quite often. So there's mm -hmm. probably another 15 minutes of a train journey where I might be scrolling through some stuff, having a look, maybe check it on a coffee break or a lunch break, train back home, maybe in the evenings if we're watching telly. 
Um, I'm sure I'm not alone where I sometimes look across and me and Ellie are both on our phones um, looking at various platforms. So, yeah, one hour 52 sounds a lot to start with, but I could quite easily see how actually broken down over the course of the day. That would be um, a potential average for anybody. Um, what about the 79% of 16 to 24 year olds that use it as their main source of news, Dave? Do, do, do you um, see that with your family? Yes. <laughs> um, I think if you if you are logging onto those the, the, those social media platforms for you know average of just about two hours or so every day, and I, I imagine and I'm, I'm guessing here, but the the younger age groups are probably going to be skewing that average upwards, so probably a slightly over kind of two hours or so. If that's where you're primarily spending your time. That's where you're primarily going to have news fed to you. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the last time that you know my son sat down and said, "Oh, let's watch the news on TV or let's buy a newspaper." Um, you know, he might occasionally look at things like the BBC news website, but yeah, I, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that that people are getting their news from those site from those kind of places. No, I, I see it with the the girls increasingly. Um, they would. They, they know the news comes on the television and casually might watch it if we've got it on in the background, but they would get most of their information from social media. If they want to know something, they would go to YouTube to look something up potentially. And they see a lot of, of content on platforms like TikTok. So I was on a course last week. There was a bit of stuff around online safety. And obviously there are lots of good and very powerful, positive uses of social media. And this is us not trying to say, don't use it. I think you've just acknowledged, Dave, you were becoming much more aware of the potential time it was taking and whether it was actually a constructive part of your life. It sounds like LinkedIn is. LinkedIn is something that you can positively channel your time, your energy with, but maybe other platforms less positive and constructive in your life. Um, had a really good speaker on the course, actually, and she talked about four C's just to be aware of and to kind of consider might be useful for listeners, might be useful for family of listeners for you to, to share this kind of awareness and information. So if it's okay, maybe we'll have a chat through the, the four C's before we move on and go and talk about something else. So the first C was content, being aware of the content on the various social media platforms. I'm going to mention a couple of terms now, Dave. I'm sure they're terms you are aware of. Have you come across the concept of disinformation and misinformation on content online? Well, I've, I've heard the terms, but I think you're going to have to clarify exactly what they mean, Ben. OK, well, let's start with misinformation, first of all. Misinformation is anything that's factually incorrect. Um, and there is lots of stuff. One of the big um, freedoms of social media is anybody can go online and type in anything, whether that information is fact checked or not. So lots of stuff that is posted out there that actually is not true. And that's generally classed as misinformation, misinformation that you might read. Going back to my stats, 79 percent of 16 to 24 use that as their main source of news. Are they actually getting factually correct information? The more sinister one potentially is disinformation. So disinformation takes it a stage further. It's not just careless, factually incorrect information. Disinformation is stuff that's knowingly put out there incorrectly. 
um, with a motive, a motive for it to be shared, a motive for it to influence people. We're thinking about particular extremist views there, maybe linked to terrorist activity, maybe linked to political unrest and disruption. But that's disinformation. And I think, firstly, a big warning for everybody, don't believe everything you read online. Um, there are lots of examples of things that have been shared, things that have been done as almost controlled experiments just to see quite how far things go if something is posted online. And clearly the reach is massive. Um, other elements of content. Um, when you were on those social media platforms, the more social ones, Dave, we'll, we'll leave LinkedIn to one side for a moment. Um, were you conscious of the sort of content that you were posting or the content you maybe were sharing yourself? I am, yes. But uh, but I, I always tend to be the kind of person that will question anything that I'm told and will not necessarily believe anything at face value. Um, something that I did notice, though, in terms of content is that... Um, the social media platforms are very, very good. And it is their, you know, their only job is to keep you on their social media platform. Yeah. So if they look at your um, habits and they recognize you do something or you enjoy something or you stop scrolling when something comes up and you watch 30 seconds of a video, they will look at what kind of video is it and they will feed you more of that stuff because their job is to keep you on their platform. So once they find that sweet spot of things you enjoy. Now, for me, it was clips of old comedy and it was people scoring goals. OK, so it was it was lots of football and it was lots of clips of, of, of things like Only Fools and Horses. OK, and I would stop and go, oh, yeah, this is the triggers brew. Brilliant. And I would sit there and watch it. Now, when I look at my wife, who might be next to me scrolling through the same thing, what I noticed for her is that she had loads of Australian news headlines. And, you know, we are in the same house. We've got similar you know similar things that we like and enjoy similar um you know similar friendship groups so why is she seeing one thing and i'm seeing another well it's because i like funny stuff and football my wife has got a sister that lives in australia so whenever there's some news story about australia she stops and she watches it because she thinks oh is this going to impact my sister so we're both being fed something completely different so it's you know with that kind of misinformation if you're, or, or even disinformation, if you watch something and you, and, and you think, oh, actually, I'm going to, you know, I'm shocked by this, but I'm going to watch it, then you're going to be fed more of the same stuff. So you're going to be fed more of that, that kind of misinformation or a particular side of an argument. So it's always worth just questioning, is this actually correct? Or, you know, is this something that is right? Can I find a third party source to verify it? And, and it's that lack of balance, potentially, isn't it, that your feed gets very much pushed in a particular direction, not mm. to make light of it. But but regular listeners will know Dave is a, a Derby County fan. That's correct, Dave, isn't it? Yes, it certainly is. So yeah. I would imagine a lot of your feed might have been filled up with Derby County in scoring goals. And Unfortunately, there weren't many of those last <laughs> year when I was on social media. <laughs> But um, you, you could only see Derby County goals being scored and get the impression that they were scoring lots of goals yeah. and not see the goals that they were actually conceding, which would probably yeah, be in the, the comedy element of the clips. But um, yeah. making light of something that is a very serious subject, actually, mm -hmm. it kind of pushes stuff. And that can really give people the impression that things are much more that way than they genuinely are in a balanced society. Really good point. <laughs> Um, 
just thinking about the next C, we're thinking about conduct. And there's a bit of an overlap there between how you conduct yourself and the sort of content that you are ultimately responsible for. Um, I think we all need reminded sometimes that we should think twice before we post anything. We need to think who's going to potentially see it, how long it might last for. And even if we think we can delete it ourselves, the fact that someone maybe has already shared it, has already screenshotted it. Lots of um, examples of people, famous people, and I think we've talked about them on the podcast when they've happened um, in, in previous episodes where somebody's previous posting history has come back to haunt them further on in their, their life and their career. So I think we need to be careful there. We need to be careful about our prof profile, our, our persona online. Um, something that really didn't scare me, but it made me think. Um, have you Googled yourself lately, Dave? Are you the sort of person that will... I, I have Googled myself in the past, yeah. My, my daughters now have started, when, when they're at school with their friends, they will Google each other's mum's dad's parents just to see what, what comes up. And my daughters were kind of actively showing all of their friends, look, this is my dad online. And there's a few pictures. There's my LinkedIn profile picture that comes up. There's a Facebook profile picture that appears. There's a really old Twitter picture. Anyone doing that now, go and Google Ben Bullman and you'll see there's a picture of me with long hair holding a wine glass. And I've lost the kind of thought that that stuff was still available. That's a picture taken or oh, must be at least seven or eight years ago. And it's still there. My naivety of maybe not changing it, not deleting it, not making it private. Um, something that's worth doing for everybody, because if it's easy for you to Google and find yourself, it's also as equally easy for anybody. I'm thinking about employers, prospective employers, other people that you associate with. Um, what's your thoughts there of, of the legacy that we leave behind, Dave, the footprint that we leave online? Well, I'm, 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 I actually got something I want to talk about a little bit later on to do to do with that. But um, you're absolutely right. It, it, assume any new employer is going to is going to look you on look you up online at what. So you should assume assume that um, any future employer is going to be looking you up online. It's, it's just going to happen and they will look at social media profiles they will look at things that maybe are 10 years old you've forgotten about and they're going to use that to build a picture of who you are culturally are you likely to fit with the organization so if you are sitting there with a massive wine glass and they're thinking well that's not really the way that we conduct ourselves here then it might be the case that they they don't look too kind upon you they might say oh that looks like he's up for fun so as a result, um, you know, he is going to fit in. So it's, you know, it, it's one of those things that I wouldn't necessarily want to have that risk that someone could take a view based on those kind of photos. Um, if you've got an unusual name, I've got quite an unusual name. There aren't many Dave Malthouses out there. I know of about five of them, Ben, from my Googling online, and I can tell you what most of them do. Um, I imagine there aren't many Ben Bullmen around or bullmans around. So again, it's very, very easy for employers or for anyone to find out about us people with unusual names. You know, if you've got a more kind of a, a, a more common name, it may be easier for you to hide because they might not know exactly which one you are. 
Um, other things though then is we've had people who have been sacked from professional roles because of things that they put on social media, whether things they've posted or um, you know the way that they put themselves forward on social media. So it is important that we do look at our profiles, we do look at the things that we post just to make sure that we would be happy for a future employer to see them. And a chance for us to remind everyone about the, the professional ethics that we all adhere to. The professional bodies hold them at the forefront of their syllabuses, at the forefront of their expectation for their student members, as well as their fully qualified members. So, yeah, thinking about the content and thinking if the AAT or the ACCA read that, if my employer read that, what would they actually think? And chances are, if it was negative, it would associate back to them and therefore they would have potential action to be taken against you. So conduct, just thinking about how we conduct ourselves online. The third C was contact. So thinking about who we actually interact with online. I know lots of the platforms have privacy settings. I'd encourage people to go and explore those. You can do some kind of dummy checks and search yourself and see what information appears. Um, but you need to be savvy with who you are connecting with. I know platforms are different. And so you've been talking a lot about LinkedIn being your platform of choice currently, Dave. And I know that one is all about making those connections, but also just being aware anything that you then share, you then comment on, those professional connections are also going to see. Um, What's your view on the, the contacts that you've made via social media, Dave? It is really challenging, isn't it? Because you, you don't always know who it is that you're connecting with. Um, I, I know some people have got very rigid rules that they will only connect on a social media site um, with someone that they know and someone that they consider themselves to be friends with and someone that they can verify externally. Um, other people are more likely, you know, are, are happy to connect with anyone. And particularly on LinkedIn, where it's very much a professional network and you're looking to share ideas with other like-minded professionals, one way of building that network is through reaching out to people that you haven't met. So it is challenging, but you're absolutely right. I, I would look at who are, we, who are you connected to? Does that person appear to have the values that you have? Um, or is it someone that actually in real life you probably wouldn't go near, in which case I wouldn't really connect with them? Um, and are, are you happy that it is a, a legitimate person or is it another agent acting through that profile to maybe perpetrate a fraud or something like that? Definitely. As, as regular listeners will know, one of my other roles at First Intuition is being um, the designated safeguarding lead and something that we very much promote to our, our student base and across all, all of the FI network is just thinking about online safety, thinking about who we maybe are communicating with. Um, I'm going to talk about that separately in a moment because I've got a link that hopefully we're going to pop into the show notes. But before we get there, I'm just going to talk about the last C. The last C, all about commerce, the concept that we can unwittingly fall for financial scams online. We can give out more personal details and information, sharing bank details, um, making payments or being pulled into potential clickbait scams. So I think we just also need to be very wary of the advertising messages that we see, the potential to kind of click through and give further details. 
So before we talk about some bits that you wanted to cover, last thing I was just going to say, as I say, I am a designated safeguarding lead as part of the safeguarding team. We encourage students to maintain their online safety. Um, there's lots of elements to that um, through bullying online, through sharing of images and lots of, of stuff, sadly, at the moment of, of sharing sexual images. Um, revenge porn, which is a, a horrible concept, but something that, that could potentially um, impact on any of our learners. There's financial fraud online and all of the, the cybercrime stuff. Um, I'm going to share a link. The Internet Watch Foundation have got some brilliant signposting on their website. If you um, spot something online that you are uncomfortable with, you would like to report it, there are lots of places that you can go and lots of signposting on this website. So I'm going to pop it in for listeners at the podcast. We'll get it in the, the link to the show notes as well. And I would encourage you to also share that one. If it's not affecting you, it might affect a member of your friend's family circle. They might come to you for help and advice. Um, a really good place to go, the Internet Watch Foundation and where you can go to report stuff online. Um, Dave, you have some thoughts about the, the future of social mm -hmm. media or maybe how it will be continue to be used from a professional setting? Well, I, not necessarily a professional setting. I, I was actually speaking to someone at, a, um, at a, an event a couple of weeks ago and we got talking about it started off. We were talking about ChatGPT, which are you aware of ChatGPT, Ben? Yep. So this is the. Is, is it AI? There is some dispute about whether it's actually AI or whether it's just a very quick search engine that can go and find lots of stuff online. But this is the thing where you can ask it questions and it yep. can give you a constructive response. Yep. And then you can do cool stuff. You can say things like make it funny and then it will write it again, but a bit funnier. <laughs> um, or you can ask it questions like, can you tell me 10 jokes about lawyers? And they'll come up with 10 jokes about lawyers. Um, there was one where they they, they um, asked ChatGPT to write a song in the style of Nick Cave. Now, I don't know if you're a fan of Nick Cave at all, Ben. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Dave, yes. yes. So I'm a big fan. I love Nick Cave. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, although Nick Cave hated it, it did a pretty good job of putting together a set of lyrics that you could mistake for kind of things that Nick Cave would put together. So chat GPT is a bit of AI that's able to do that. So it's able to kind of search its little database and put together something that looks quite similar to something that someone else would put together. In this case, someone quite famous um, because it, the data that it draws from is quite a closed set of data. So if you asked it to say, do it in the style of Ben Bullman, it will probably go, who's Ben Bullman? Um, I don't know the Ben Bullman chap. I'll just do it in the style of, you know, I just like Nick Cave. Um, so that's one thing we started talking about. And then, you know, we gradually talked about various other things. So I, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier. I don't think you did. Have you heard of um, of deep fakes? I've, I've heard of the term, but um, yeah. I'd probably like you to enlighten me a bit more. So uh, deep fake, um, the way I've seen it is with video technology. And you can adapt and manipulate videos to make it appear that maybe someone else is there or someone is saying something that they're not actually saying. And I've seen some examples. There's actually a, a BBC drama about deepfake, uh, deepfake technology not too long ago. Um, but deepfake technology is out there and it, it's kind of frightening in terms of how realistic it is. So you could use deepfake technology 
And if you had enough information about Ben Bullman in terms of Ben Bullman's voice and the way that he looked and enough video content of him, you could almost certainly create a video of Ben Bullman saying pretty much anything that you wanted. Okay, now, you know, a, a bad actor could use that to, um, to spread propaganda to all of Ben Bullman's followers. Hopefully that won't happen, but that's the kind of thing that could happen. So we've got, you know, on the one hand, we've got an AI that's able to draw from a data set and a load of information about a person, you know, and be able to write in the style of that person. You've got AI, which is able to create a video of someone speaking any words that they want to put in and making it look like that person's actually speaking. Another thing we know, Ben, and this is something I've known for ages, is that um, Amazon have told us that if someone has made 20 purchases from Amazon, they've got 20 discrete data points of different things that someone has bought from Amazon, they can predict with almost perfect accuracy the kind of things that person would buy if they were offered the choice to buy it. So if you've bought 20 things from Amazon, I've definitely bought 20 things from Amazon. Amazon could come up with a list of things and say, Dave would buy this, he wouldn't buy this. Okay, and, and apparently they are incredibly accurate. So we now know that with a small amount of data, Amazon can predict what we're going to do. Now, the reason I say all those things is that in the future, someone is gonna be able to scrape all of the data they can find about you from every possible source. So whatever social media profile is, whatever video content is out there, whatever pictures, whatever things you've written, and it will be able to pull together an AI version of you that is gonna be as realistic as talking to you directly. So if you go forward 150 years and you know, your great, great, great grandchildren are at school, when I, when I was at school, I was told, go home and interview your granddad or go home and research your family tree. 150 years time, people are going to say, go and have a chat to your great, great granddad. And the fact that they're dead doesn't matter because they'll be able to interface with some kind of hologram of you. And that's going to be built up with everything that you've put out there online in your lifetime. So when it comes to that person in the future that's talking to you, you've got to think a little bit about what are they going to be interacting with if all you've liked is you know videos of far-right extremist people and all you've put out online is lots and lots of kind of like hate-filled rhetoric that's what the AI is going to pick up on and it's going to feed back and say yeah that's what Ben was like okay if you've spread lots of love in your lifetime and you've encouraged people and you've lifted them up and you've put more good out in the world that's what the people in the future are going to be looking at. So I think it's really important that we think about, well, what is it we put out there? If all you do is complain every day of your life, imagine what your great, 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 great grandchildren are going to be talking to. Someone that's just whinging and moaning and never seeing the best in life. Okay, never thinks anything positive. So it really opened my eyes up when I had this conversation the other week to, well, you know, what am I actually putting out there? Now, for you and I, Ben, we've got hours of podcast, okay? hours and hours that we spent together. So the AI is going to know our voices and you know the way that we talk absolutely perfectly. It's going to understand the content that we put together you know, between us, and it's going to have a pretty good idea of what we're like. Now, I'm pretty happy that I've been genuine over the kind of 100 plus episodes that we've been together. So I'm not particularly worried 
that it's going to maybe have picked up the wrong impression of me because I think it's a pretty accurate impression of the things that I like and the things that I enjoy. Okay, I don't know if you, Ben, have you, do you feel you've been faking it and you know it's going to be an unrealistic picture of you in the future? No, hopefully. I, I think everything we've talked about is is 100% genuine and sincere. And it's a really scary thought, isn't it, that all this stuff is actually there, it's out there. And as technology evolves, it is going to be seamlessly transitioned across to, as you say, the the cyber Ben and Dave show that could still be running. Our podcasts may outlive <laughs> us. That's really amazing idea, actually, isn't it? Yeah. So it, it, in the future, someone just says to says to their whatever device it is, uh, I'd like a new episode of the Dave and Ben podcast, please. And I want it to cover the political situation in Chile. And then you and I will be talking as we do about whatever the political situation in Chile is at the time that we're not even alive to discuss it ourselves. That would be amazing. <laughs> wow, that's a that's a fascinating thought. Um, but it does make you reflect, doesn't it? It does make you think what what sorts of messages are you giving out there? Um, and, and certainly for the the people that are maybe more involved in social media from a perspective of self-promotion um you've got to make sure that what you're putting out there is stuff that in another hundred years you would be happy for anybody to kind of use as your memorial mm. but i mean if you think right now people are people are just scraping the surface of the data they can get so when your employer um you know looks at your social media profile and looks at Twitter and says, oh, these are the, you know, the, your 20 last posts, I'll be happy with what they're saying. You know, if this technology does accelerate in the way that we're expecting it to, your potential employer could interview an AI version of you before they even get you in for a proper interview. And they could say, do I like the way that this person, this, this AI of this person is interacting because that is all up to your interviews without actually meeting the person before you offer them a job wow so no, no internet nerves no chance to fake it on the day because it would be presumably drawn from genuine content that you've put out there yeah absolutely and i, I you know we're seeing it happen you know we're seeing deep fake you know videos are out there at the moment and, you know, I, I, we've seen documentaries, news stories, all about how it works. And that technology is only going to get better. It's just, yeah, just crazy when you actually think, well, what could we be talking to in the future? So we've actually had a, a question from the live studio audience as ever. We're, we're recording this with, with students live on Zoom this evening. Um, Dave, you mentioned at the start that you'd actually made a conscious decision to come away from some of the platforms you were previously on. Yep. I've had a question asking how you would maybe advise someone to um, fight and be aware of what they're branding as social media addiction. Would you say you were potentially at risk of being addicted to social media? I would say so, yeah. You know, if, if you, you know, it's a compulsion to be looking at it. You know, every time you've got your phone, you're permanently glued to it. You're always scrolling through it. Yeah, I think absolutely. It To me, it did feel like an addiction. Um, I, I did a couple of things. So first of all, I went to the settings on my phone. And on the settings of my phone, I restricted the amount of time that I could spend on individual apps. 
And I, I thought, right, if I give a say maximum of 20 minutes on Facebook, that should be, you know, that, that, and that will restrict me to just using 20 minutes. The thing that I found is that I got to my 20 minutes and then I'd pick up my phone a bit later on and I'd go, oh no, I've used up my time. And it's very easy to override it. You just type in a code and you override it and then you're away scrolling again. And because you've overridden it, it doesn't kick in again and say, oh, you've had another 20 minutes. So it, it didn't really work. So the only thing that has worked for me is just removing the apps from my phone altogether. So um, it's, yeah, just, yeah put your thumb on the app, hold it down to the little X comes up, press X. Do you want to delete all the data as well? Yes, you do. Um, the only time I ever use Facebook now is by going through a browser on a computer, um, which means I actually have to actively use my laptop to go onto Facebook. And I will probably go on it no more than once a month. Um, Twitter, I haven't looked at. I don't think I've looked at since I deleted it at the end of last year. Um, so it's, yeah, the only way I need to do it to con to control my usage was to delete altogether because everything else I was overriding and it, it wasn't having the impact that I, I I wanted it to have. There is this very real concept of FOMO or fear of missing out, isn't there? That you see other people doing stuff and you almost become addicted to kind of make sure you're not missing out on stuff that. People may be in your your friend circle, your work circle, your family circle are doing, and that becomes almost self self um, deprivating, doesn't it? The more that you keep checking, the more that you get paranoid that you're missing out on things. Um, something that was mentioned on the the session I was on last week that obviously people give a, a potentially biased opinion of their own lives. Mm -hmm. People look a lot happier on social media than potentially they are. And if that's all you see, you get a very clouded view of all everybody else in the world is clearly a lot happier, a lot better looking, a lot fitter, um, a lot smarter than, than I am. Um, we had a few phenomenal days out last year, Dave. I was thinking back to these um, only at the weekend. I was thinking back to the Red Hot Chili Peppers when a couple yep. of their tracks came on on the podcast when I was out for a walk. And thinking back to that lovely day we had um, last year. And I don't know if we did take a picture and post it out on social media. We probably did. And it would have been me and you buzzing and smiling and in the, the throng of the crowd. We didn't take to social media and talk about the rather annoying drive around the car park we had for an hour trying to find a parking space. Or the fact, was that the one on the way home when the M11 was shut and I had to do about... A that was after the American football. That was the other great day out when we went to see the, the New York Giants at, at Wembley and we, we had a, a day out. Oh, no, it was at Tottenham, wasn't it? At the Spurs Stadium. Yeah. But again, we didn't talk about the fact that once we got back to the train station, the road was closed and we had a big detour. We didn't take a picture of that and put it on, on Facebook. So um, I, I think we just need to be very aware of the fact that when we're looking at other people online, we are probably seeing the stuff they want us to see the stuff that portrays everything as happy and um, maybe not an open and honest opinion of you know, going through. Do you know what I've really enjoyed? I, I've, been, I've been on Facebook for over a year now, pretty much, other than the occasional dalliances on, um, on a laptop. And I still go out and take loads of photos, but I just don't post them anywhere. So my phone is, or, or my, my iCloud account is full of photos. And the lovely thing is that, my phone every now and again just produces a little memory video for me. 
And I would much, much rather do that. So I'm pretty sure when it's the anniversary of you and I going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm going to get this little kind of montage clip of four or five little photos of us, you know, at the um, at the London Stadium watching the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, and it, it's going to bring back all those memories. And, you know, why would I need to post it on, on social media? You know, what's the what's the point in me doing that? You know, yes, I might be sharing it with some of my friends. They might say, oh, yeah, that's really good. Were, were they good? Um, but I'm, you have to wade through so much other stuff in order to get to that. I'd rather just keep it to myself, you know, and I might send you a little message saying, Ben, look, this video has just come up. Remember last year. And that, to me, is far more enriching than you know, posting something on social media, seeing it in a year's time, but having to wade through everyone else moaning and whinging about stuff. Definitely, definitely. Um, and the other thing that they were sharing, very much this kind of wanting to be liked and almost like chasing. I, I see it with the, the girls and I worry sometimes that they're posting stuff just to get reactions from other people. And hopefully those reactions are positive. But that almost becomes an addiction, doesn't it? That you want to put stuff out there because it gets mm -hmm. um, likes, it gets clicks, it gets views. Yeah. Um, and we're quite vain individuals, aren't we? I quite like the fact that some of our first intuition YouTube videos have got well over thousand, thousand, thousand views. Mm -hmm. um, does that spur us on to do it again? Well, yeah, but that's from a professional perspective. If that's me in my personal life and the only reason I'm creating more content is to get more people to like it, at some point, the likes are potentially going to dry up and that's not good for my, my mental health and my, my well-being going forward. So I think people just need to be aware of why are they putting the content out there and taking a step back and thinking, am I putting it out there genuinely because it's going to help someone? It's, it's stuff people want to see. Or am I doing it to kind of self-promote and self-fulfill those kind of other voids? And, and that's where it can be very dangerous. Yeah, I agree. It's there. I think because there are a, a few very, very successful Kind of very wealthy, very well-known people who have made their living through things like YouTube because they've got a billion followers and you know a squillion views and you know ridiculous amounts of activity, which means that they've earned loads of money, which means they live amazing lifestyles, which means they post about them, which means people see them. And it's this kind of uh, this cycle of you know lots and lots of likes, lots and lots of views, means lots and lots of money, means amazing lifestyle, which means even more of it. Um, we can get swept into the idea that, oh, you know, we can do that. And if we're not getting lots of likes, then we're not successful. And I don't think likes is a, or views or anything like that, is a measure of how successful or how happy someone is. You know, it, it's kind of those people are professionals. You know, the, the, the YouTubers that we laugh about and say, oh, they just mess about. They are professionals. They have spent large amounts of time on their career honing their craft. They are as professional as the very best accountants and the very best lawyers. They're as professional as a plumber. They're as professional as anyone that has dedicated their life to being really, really good at something. They are very, very good at it. Now, me going on Instagram tomorrow, I am, I'm not trained. You know, that, that's like, you know, if, if I'm beating myself up because I'm not getting lots of likes, that's like me saying, oh, I've been really, really rubbish at replumbing my entire house. 
Now, I should be rubbish because I've not trained at it. I, I'm, I'm a complete amateur when it comes to plumbing. So we shouldn't compare ourselves to these people who have dedicated their lives and their careers to this one type of profession. And a lot of people scoff at it, but it is a profession. If you look behind the scenes at what people have to do to be successful as an influencer, it is a hell of a lot of hard work and a hell of a lot of things that I can't do and I don't understand. I don't understand how social media algorithms work. I don't understand what's going to be popular if I post it. I don't understand the way to address a camera in such a way that you know, people are going to like the images that are put forward. I just can't do any of that stuff. But people that can have, have learned the craft really, really well. And brilliant, you do that, but don't compare yourself to someone who is doing a completely different job to you. It's a bit like the podcast, isn't it? We, we do it because we, we genuinely enjoy coming on, we genuinely enjoy having a chat with helping the students that, that join. Um, and at the end, I'm sure tonight you're going to say, leave a review, um, share the, the podcast with your friends. We're not doing that from a, a vanity perspective, hopefully. We're doing it genuinely because me and you quite enjoy doing it. And we'll, we'll turn up and chat to ourselves if, if nobody joins us live on a, on a Wednesday evening. Um, with that in mind, I'm looking down at the clock. We are getting close to, to seven o'clock. Is there any final thoughts for this evening, Dave, that you wanted to share with people? I know you've got to shoot off. You're off to the, the gym this evening. I, I am off to the gym this evening, so I, I will be off very, very shortly. I think I've said everything that I need to say. I mean, I think it's really important that you know we don't compare ourselves to unrealistic targets. I think it's really important that we're true to ourselves when we when, when we interact, and that's not just the things that we type and the things that we post. It's the things that we like and the things that we interact with. And you know, I, I, I kind of point that you know paint that doom picture of what the future is going to look like. Um, it may not look exactly like that, but more and more of the time people are looking at what you've done in the past online to build a picture of you, whether it's for an interview, whether it is whether they're going to take disciplinary um, procedures against you for something that you posted, whether it's if a business wants to do business with you, if they want to sell you things. Now, they're going to be looking at the way that you've interacted. So just think about what is it you're putting out into the world and is it a true picture of you? If it is, there's no problem. But if you think it might be painting an inaccurate picture of the kind of person you are, then maybe we need to change the way that we're interacting. Yeah, I think clearly there are lots of positives of social media. I see the, the joy that my daughters get from creating TikTok videos and they have real fun and they're putting it out there in a very positive way. Um, but it's OK to have a break from that, it's okay to kind of come off those platforms if, if that's going to help you, even if it's just a, a short break, just to give yourself a bit of a chance to, to move away. I think we all need to remain sensible. As I say, I'm going to pop a link in the, the show notes for anybody that wants any signposting for help and advice, particularly if you come across anything online that you feel is unsavory, that, that you feel you need to report, or if you want help getting it removed, if people are sharing stuff of you without your consent um but i'm gonna say that's it for this evening thank you for joining us hopefully it's been uh, an interesting a useful episode of the podcast thank you for the live audience of students that we've had with us tonight we've had some nice comments in the chat box as always um we'll finish there for this evening thank you for listening continue to download and we will see you again for the next episode of the fi student forum and podcast goodbye everyone